Welcome to the Creative Land Podcast Network. Join us as we share our favorite RPGs, one-shot games, tabletop games, reviews of items, and convention panels, and other exciting things that we run into from time to time. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, a sign to Ragnarok's story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the 5th Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. Well, so people say, yeah, I want to be on that one. Yeah. 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 Oh, there you go. Yeah. Designing your all right, Team Awesome, are you ready? I, no, never. <laughs> I'm going to pull the moderator card since I'm like the not publisher or not the author. Yeah, I like it when you moderate. Oh, and you can give us a publishing perspective on how. No, I've got a good story to start us off with. So, okay, hi everybody, welcome. You have reached the Defining Your Creative Persona, How to Present Yourself to Your Audience panel, a.k.a. the Jeannie Koch Memorial panel. (laughs) (laughs) I am Bob Nelson. I am uh, the publisher of Brickade Media. Um, I am also the organizer of the Mesa Book Festival that will be happening in December, and I'm also the organizer of the Cirque du Livre Raiders Conference that will happen next April. I have a story to tell. As a matter of fact, at this very moment, I have two authors that are going to be doing a, ma- a book reading in Mesa, Arizona, and just to kind of kick off this discussion with you guys, I'm kind of hoping they both wear pants to their signing. That died quick. <laughs> <laughs> wow! I'm not planning on wearing pants to my signing. I am not good at this. For the twist. <laughs> <laughs> I have never worn pants. I'm so, so, what I was thinking when he said so that. I'm like, okay, so he wears a kilt. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fair enough. So, all right, let me uh, real quick. Let's do the introductions. Hal, you want to go ahead and start? We'll just... Sure. I'm Hal Stirl. I run the Apocalypse Leader Empire. That includes uh, Apocalypse Leader Press, which publishes my books on film. It includes the Apocalypse Leader International Fantastic Film Festival and a whole bunch of other stuff. I have cards here if anybody's interested after the panel. I have five books in print, two more. Very, very imminent, but not here. All on film. All on film. And I do not wear pants. Ever. That's not true. I've seen him wear pants. Yeah, that's because you've known me for a long time. Yes, that is true. It took like 10 years. I have to say, no longer. Yes. Yeah, no longer. No longer. Okay, staring at me. I'm Jennifer Robertson, and um, I've been publishing in the fantasy genre since 84 is when my first novel came out. Uh, wrote it in 82, didn't come out until 84. Um, for dog books, uh, the Chronicles of the Chasule eight-volume series, the Sword Dancer Saga, which I'm working on, or soon to be working on the eighth one, um, Caravan series, and then I have a <coughs> brand new urban fantasy series starting, coming out uh, November of next year, 2019. And there's a lot of things I'm learning about it because I've, it's a subgenre I've never worked in before. I've read it, you know but I've never worked in it before, and so I'm having a good time figuring stuff out. I'm Jenny Lee Simner. I'm best known for the Bones of Fairy trilogy. 
the um, just recently I re-released a book called Tierney West Professional Adventurer, which if those who have been here a long time might remember as Secret of the Three Treasures. And I've given it a new cover, a new look, and I've also gotten rid of all the pay phones and modems. My name is KJ Kavza. I am an author of short fiction. I've been writing and selling fantasy and science fiction for about 15 years. My first print collection came out this year. It's called The Ramset Algorithm and Other Stories. Available at all the usual places online or if you're ambitious and have cash on you from my backpack afterwards. <laughs> we have a backpack too. Um, seems to be the way to go. I'm Tina Williams. I'm uh, known more as an accidental writer because I accidentally started writing. And I write paranormal mystery and thriller. I also have a podcast called Mysterious Radio where we talk about disturbing mysteries from around the world. Also doing a panel on that at 5 o'clock uh, where we just talk about some funky mysteries that have been unsolved and haven't been figured out. So I like the darker side of things. So let me kick it off with this kind of question. When you guys each started, how many of you thought to yourselves, how am I going to, what's my persona that's going to go with this book that I just wrote? I thought my persona would be rich and famous. And I, didn't, I didn't think any further beyond that. I thought about this question ahead of time. I know. I know. I know I'd started writing, so I didn't have to talk to people. So. Well, I know I did not go to a con until I actually had a book accepted. Not because I felt, well, I can go in as a pro, but because I was too shy to do it. And uh, it was kind of like, well, if I could at least say I was a published author, then I had an identity instead of just feeling shy all the time, so. I didn't think about persona at all. Um, I wrote because I needed to write. Um, that was about it. And I needed to write things that I wanted to read and nobody else was writing. Uh, so it all grew out of that. The persona came later. So what do you... I mean, I gave a joke answer, but you oh. <laughs> I gave a real answer after you. Um, I don't. I didn't really think about it until I saw the panel on the questionnaire, and was like, "Oh wait, I think I have a persona, which is the accidental writer." Um, I don't. I don't think it's something I consciously thought of. It's just something that kind of is. If that makes sense. Do you guys think a persona is necessary today? No. Or no. How are you defining persona? Start yeah, good idea. No, however you want. <laughs> what are I you mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm literally, my thought when I read the title of the panel was basically how you appear to the people when you do a panel such as this. Uh, you know, the types of topics that you cover, the way you dress, the way you, you know, all of those little elements, the public elements that people would interact with. Those I think about. Mm -hmm. Those I have thought about, yeah. So when I can I give you an example. You mentioned Jeannie Kelch at the beginning here. So a, a, a really important story that she told a number of times she was at the tucson festival of books and somebody came up to her oh my god oh my god oh my god i am so thankful that you're wearing that pink cowboy hat because i met you here last year and i loved what you said but i couldn't buy your books i didn't have any money at the time and i wanted to see you this year but i forgot who you were i forgot your name if i took your business card i lost it you know i had nothing and over all of these people, I saw that pink cowboy hat and I knew it was you. And I, I really thought about that and that, that's probably shaped my perception of persona quite a bit. Um, I tend to be recognizable, it wasn't necessarily deliberate, um, but the kilt and the hat and the, you know, speaking with forked beard, all of this stuff is, is recognizable and I get recognized most places I go. And when you're a, a, a public person, which an author, should be as much as we do want to hide away and just write yeah um it really helps to be recognized so you know i've helped to, to build that little from that story so i don't think because if it's a persona in terms of like a brand I'm not sure I have one beyond that person who writes awesome books and who you're always going to enjoy reading things by. But um, I do think about what I share or what I don't share. You know, I end about talking not just about writing. It's sort of a filter effect. I try to be genuinely me, but I choose, you know, I don't guard. I don't give like my 
address and social security yeah. number to anyone who comes by. <laughs> and actually, it was all pretty intuitive until I had a child. And then it's like, how do you maintain their privacy yeah. while protecting yours? Yeah, this wasn't their choice. It wasn't her yeah. choice that her mom's a The other writer. thing it was hard to decide what to do around was politics. <laughs> especially since this election, I think I've disagreed with a lot of writers feel like you shouldn't make that part of who you are. And I do feel like you shouldn't like flood your social media completely. But I also feel like I didn't become a writer in order to stay silent. You know, even though at first I've gotten over it, obviously, but I wanted to, you know, make noise on the page. You know, if I'm not talking about anything that matters to me, it's like, why am I doing this? I think I think your comment about filtering is is key with me for projecting, you know, whatever kind of like persona that I do. Um, I don't I don't falsify anything about myself, whether online or in person. But there are things that I won't talk about, or things that I will talk about less, or subjects that I will only broach with people that I'm very intimate with, or something like that. Uh, especially in regards to creating your your persona online in digital spaces, like we all know how terribly easy it is to be misinterpreted or to write what we think is very clear and then have somebody come back at you with this comment of complete left field. So that's that's a much more difficult, I think, minefield to navigate than in person, where we tend to give each other the benefit of the doubt, where we can be more honest, where we can read each other's body language. And I think it's I think it's easier to be your whole self in person at events like this than it is in some ways on the internet, even though on the internet you have time to think about what you're gonna say, there's still less that you can say because of the medium. I, I know for me, it, this is gonna sound egotistical on the surface, but if you think about it in terms of yourself, I think you'll understand. When I go to a con as a guest, I know that I am presenting myself as an author. And for readers, for my readers, as the author, um, not the as in, you know, I'm the most important one, but just that they know my name. So I am subconsciously in the back brain aware of that. I want to present myself professionally. Um, I want to present myself so that people are interested. Um, if I get done with the panel, you know, and somebody comes up and says, well, I didn't know who you were before, but now I'm going to go look for your books. It's like, all right, you know, that, that's, and I, I enjoy it. I really like doing this. I like talking with my peers. I like talking with people in the audience, even if I don't know them and things like that. But as I said, I am aware. Whereas I show dogs too. And when I'm in the dog show ring, I'm not thinking about being a writer. I'm not, I'm as far away from that as I possibly can. And yet I had somebody come up to me, a show photographer come up to me when I was waiting to get my dog photographed because I'd won and said, can I get a book autograph by you? And it was like, wait, what? Oh, okay, different, yeah, turn the key, what am I doing? So, so in certain places, I feel like I'm the writer, and in other places, I'm just a person, you know? And, but talking about, and I'll shut up, that talking about the social media is, I am very blabby on Facebook, very blabby, and I talk about some, <laughs> some really, some, some serious stuff, like why I stopped drinking and things like that. But I don't talk about everything. And I don't put everything about me out there. So I may gab, blab, and carry on, but you guys don't get all of it. Dang it. Is there a pay tier? What? Is there a pay tier? Can you be like, pay? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let me ask Did you we guys. Get the other the yeah, Tina? Um, I think that a lot of times, develop personas they didn't want uh, and talking about the social media I think if you develop your persona before that it prevents that from happening like nobody wants to be known as the asshole author yeah. or maybe some people do it helps them I know and you talk about social media for me like you know as authors we follow other authors and stuff because we're inspired by other authors and I found myself unfollowing a lot of authors that I love and respect because I don't want to associate that with whatever emotion they were getting me to, to feel, yeah, which had right. nothing to do with what their books make me feel. And so like on my author page, on my personal page that's locked down, I chit chat with my friends all the time. And then on my, on my fan page, 
there's zero politics, zero anything controversial. Um, I can't say that. I do a lot of dark stuff, like dark comedy and things like that. But if you're reading my books, chances are that's what we like. And I've had a lot of people say, we like that because you're our escape. And we're inundated so much on a daily basis with everything else. I just want a moment to just look at something and not have to think about real life. And I think as authors, that's what we're doing. We're creating stories, we're helping people escape from real life. And I think our personas kind of have to reflect that. And challenging, I've been online since like the late 80s. So it's evolved. So by the time like my space online became a promotional tool, yeah, I've been just hanging out, and one of the hardest things to figure out is how to balance that. And every time I try to separate it, it's like, well, this person's also a writer, but I know them really well. You know, it, it always falls apart. It's interesting. I think I think that there is also uh, it's important to to say that there is there is no right or wrong choice necessarily about what you choose to be private about and what you don't. There there are authors or creators who want zero politics on their feeds at all. Um, I'm similar, I don't put any of that online, but there are also authors who go, this is an important part of my identity and brand, and I will put a lot of political stuff on here, and it's not necessarily going to help or hurt your career, it will help or hurt your impression with different people, yep. but you can, still, you can still find an audience if you choose to do that. Likewise, if you decide to be really personal and put stuff about there, put stuff on there about this, these are my struggles with like drug addiction or alcoholism. You will have fans who are like, I love this, this is an intimate portrait. Like, I know so much more about this creator, I can connect with their work. Like, that is not necessarily out of bounds. So think, things that you think might be very, very private and you should not put out there, maybe you can. It's just, it's just all about being deliberate and being sure that you're comfortable with yourself and you're comfortable with what about yourself you're choosing to highlight. Well, yeah, because you're being a role model at the same time. Like I struggle with anxiety, so I've had people, and I talk about it on my page, and I've had people say, I like that you're open about it and still see you at these events because that kind of tells me that I can do the same thing. I can get to the events even though I struggle with anxiety. I can still travel even though I do that. So I feel like if you share some personal stories like that and you can relate to somebody, um, that's great. And a lot of times you can share anything controversial as long as you do it in a way that doesn't alienate anybody. Yeah. Um, then you're going to draw in more people that are going to respect you because you, as an author, you should be able to voice your opinion in a way, because you are a writer, and use the right words that doesn't alienate people, in my opinion. So let me ask you guys probably the what I would think would be the ultimate manifestation of persona for an author, which is the pen name. Um, what are your thoughts on pen names? Why you would use them, if you would use them? If you I, I, build a persona because of that? Or? I don't use a pen name, but I sort of use a pen name. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm still me, it's my name, but everything I do is apocalypse later, so it's a brand rather than a pen name. But it sort of it sort of hides the name underneath. The name isn't as important. And going on from things that were just said, I, I write nonfiction, so it's a lot easier to separate. When you write fiction, you write yourself into it. Your opinions and your yourself become part of that that world you know if you're a right-wing person your books tend to take on a right-wing sort of sensibility they don't have to because you are fiction but they they instinctively they do. may i would yeah. put it they you could they may, you would have to fight it and, and the, the longer you've written the more you've done the easier it would probably be to to get away from that and write something away from who you are but certainly first-time writers tend to write who they are first uh they take their own uh, ideas, their own backgrounds, and, and put that in fiction, and then expand from there. With nonfiction, it's 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 very easy to separate. So um, my Facebook is my my Hallistell Facebook is me, and I talk about very little because mostly I comment on other people's stuff. Um, but apocalypse later, I have a group set up, and that's where all of that stuff happens. Whether it's the books, whether it's the film festival, whether it's the roadshow, whether it's you know other events I'm running, it, it's it's sort of. Uh, compartmentalized into that apocalypse later brand. Everything's in that brand. I don't use a pen name, but I I feel more conflicted about it with time. Really? Because my name is both a great name to have because you know it's very uncommon. Yeah. I mean, for years when you typed in my first name, Jenny, I was the first result. Now I'm like, there's a I think a role player in a quilter. <laughs> and Simner is a really uncommon name to the point that I was able to get Simner.com as my domain name because oh, really? I got it you know, early, early enough but it wasn't as early as if I'd been like Smith 
Yeah, you know, it was right. relatively at the same time, you know, I'm kind of aware, well, you know, that makes me easy to find too. Mm. And that's both, you know, good and potentially creepy. <laughs> so, you know, especially now when, and as a writer, I know how to find information about people. So I know, I mean, I know what can be found. I like that so, pretentious pause. I think for me, um, I'm struggling right now with my pen name because there's been three other authors since I've been since I've been publishing that have now have my name, and they write completely different genres than what I write. So uh, I'm struggling because I'm I'm in this transition of I think I need to change my name again because there's other authors out there. But then there's all these other books in this name. The other reason I, I don't use my real first name on my books is I don't want any kind of gender associated with the writer because um, unfortunately still have biases that a woman can write horror books so um, I just want people to subconsciously not think of the name and just think of something generic and look at the book first before the author and then like how um, I think I get a lot of people who recognize me more as the accidental writer before they recognize my name so they've seen this and they look at it like oh wait the accidental writer I know who you are so that's kind of cool too to have that kind of tied in as more of who people identify me as than, than my name so I'm, I'm struggling a little bit with it. I don't know where I'm at with the pen name. Um, I think if you have a pen name, just make sure nobody else uses that would be my suggestion first. It, I actually used the pen name, but it was my married name. So it was my name. It was totally different genre. It was a historical romance, you know, the bodice ripper, whatever you want to call it. And um, I didn't want to confuse readers, you know. and. And so either shut them down or, you know, make them buy it because it's by so-and-so, but this is not what I thought I was getting. Um, so I used a pen name and that happened to be my, my married name. But I actually, with, with the urban fantasy that's coming out, I play around with the idea of using a pen name on it, not to hide that it was me, but because it's not, it's a subgenre of fantasy. But of all the fantasy that I've written, it's, not related to anything like that. So it, it's like, well, do I want to draw in the readers I already have? Do I, am I concerned that died in the wool, urban fantasy readers are gonna say, oh, well, I don't wanna, I'm not interested in reading that by her because she writes X and so. And I finally just said, you know, the heck with it. I've spent all these years of building my quote unquote brand just as me, you know, and I'd rather encourage all my readers, readers I already have to, you know, read this reminds series. me of a, I was part of a project with a group of other writers where we took a pen name and did a steamy romance series. And we each did one book and it was a lot of fun. And I learned a lot about self-publishing, but one thing we also learned that it's a lot harder to start from zero and get noticed. We did not become rich and famous. You probably haven't heard of it, although maybe if you have, you know, it was fun and I think it was, well done, but... Did you want to drop a hint on that for us? <laughs> um, you know, it got... Most of the writers took their books down. Oh, okay. So you can only find... I did the last book. Right. I will say it was there was a mystery element, and I had to tie it all up. Oh. While also having a lot of steamy going on. Steamy times. Steamy times. I have thought about using a pseudonym because I write non-fiction, and I do want to write fiction. I always wanted to write fiction. I started out with short stories and poetry. And it didn't really work, uh, and I fell into nonfiction by by accident, uh, and it, it sort of became who I was. But I want to write some fiction, and I do wonder should I put a different name on it? Because, uh, and, and I, I, I think my mind is against it partly because I write different types of nonfiction, even within film. There are books I write that are very serious, like I wrote a book on Charlie Chaplin, and it's it's a very serious exploration of, of what he did in 1914. And then I write books that are much more funny. Uh, uh, you know, my, the best seller is, is called Ha, huh? and it's about the really worst films of all time and the reasons why they were made. And there's there's substance in there, but there's a lot of fun too. I'm, I'm having fun with this stuff. And I have readers that will buy my fun stuff and won't buy the serious stuff, and I have readers who will buy my serious stuff and not the fun stuff. So I think they'll distinguish if I write a novel. You know, they'll think, oh, that's that's different, and I'm either interested or I'm not. Where I'll use it is is uh, if I ever do want to become rich, because I'm not going to get rich doing, you know, 
film criticism. Um, really? No, sadly. <laughs> Is this um, Lenny Ebert? <laughs> yeah, right. I was just thinking, like, really. But if if I if I conjure up something that people want to spend money to read that I don't care about, like uh, if I churn out some mythical beast erotica. People um, care about that. You know, uh, there's a thing now with, with uh, erotica about time-traveling dead presidents. Um, okay. Why, I have no idea, but people buy it because it's, it's something outrageous, and I think they buy it as gifts. Just tell or, me it's you know. not slush. So, so I could just churn some of that out, but I don't, I don't want to put my name on it, because I don't want anybody to know that stuff is me. Personal responsibility. So, so, that. That okay. <laughs> so <laughs> what questions do you guys have about Persona, and feel free to let us know if you... Just picking up on, on something that uh, Janet said a while ago, just as an example of being selective about what you reveal. Uh, there's an author and blogger by the name of Kristen Lamb who is hilariously funny, both on printed and in person. But she has a young son, and she has shown pictures of him on, on her blog and online. But she has never named him, never named her husband. And she calls, because of her really warped sense of humor, she calls her son the spawn. <laughs> but it fits with her personality, and, and so it works. And she it's fair to be very careful about what she reveals. I well, keep what? my daughter's name offline, I do, and the pictures are locked down. Uh, I was just going to say, I talked to, I talked to Larry earlier, and, and I said, I know you call her toddler. What is her name? <laughs> I've got a lot of people say that. So he told now me. She's and, and, kid, but I think, yeah, but I think it's a good idea. I yeah, and I mean, up. like at a con, we're not going to keep her yeah. name yeah. secret or anything. Sure. So, you know. Uh, but those pictures of my kids, but they're like 26 and 23. The blogging community, there was, remember there's like this whole mommy blogging community, and I remember suddenly seeing posts when their kids began hitting like seven or eight, they began saying, mom, don't share that with the people. Because, you know, they're yeah. humans too, and I'd rather err on the side of too little than too much, but it's hard because there are days when, you know, the way I would blog is I'd write about my life pretty much and there are days when that cuts out an awful lot. Yeah, she's <laughs> yeah. a good kid now. I started yeah. calling her. Yeah. I need a better one. I thought about that kid, but <laughs> <laughs> Well I also uh, to, to what to what you were saying about um, you know not this person not using their child with their spouse's name. Um, my <coughs> husband is a teacher, and although once in a while I will put a picture of him online, I don't use his name either. This book is dedicated to him, and I don't put his name in it. I just say to my husband, I don't, I don't think that anything I write is particularly controversial, but I might in the future, and because he is a public you know, servant employee, I don't want any kind of blowback to ever connect in that are you, way. Are you concerned about the fact that he is a he as well? Um, not so much okay. because uh, I think, broadly speaking, uh, the, the the climate in Tucson um, is not bad. Tucson is not. This has never been a part. This has never been a place in the country where we've had a problem like holding hands wherever we want to. Um, Tucson is fairly liberal as far as like personal, you know, social. like social stuff goes. Yes. Um, yeah. I'm so guessing you have not only read in Tucson, correct? So, uh, sorry? You have readers outside of Tucson. I hope I have readers outside of <laughs> Tucson. <laughs> but no, that, I mean, that doesn't concern me. I mean, I put, I will put on my social media, husband, and put his picture. So going back to what I said earlier about, like, you need to be deliberate about what you choose to share and what you choose to don't, what you choose to not share. I choose to share the fact that I'm out and married to a man, and there are some people who might not be comfortable with that or might not want that on their brand. Um, I will have to say that when I when I started promoting this book and like marketing and everything, I had to sit down and weigh the question. And this sounds very stupid, but like, how gay of a writer do I want to be known as? Because like there like there is a niche for that. There are people who say, oh, I am looking specifically for books by queer authors or speculative fiction by queer authors. Like that is what I want, and I weighed whether or not to do that. I mean, the pros being that like. Yes, that's me, and a couple of the stories in here have gay protagonists, but the cons being, do I want to narrow my audience that way for readers who would not necessarily want to look for that? Not all of my stories in here are gay stories. It's not, it's not like 
Ram's Head Gay Fest Extravaganza. Like it's 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 not necessarily a book about sexuality. That like a good book though. It does. Yeah. <laughs> that Somebody write that down. Yeah, that's that's one of my <laughs> Yeah, but no. So like so that's part of myself that I decided this is what I will share, but this is the degree to which I will share it. Yeah, just just using use an example because it's such an obvious example. It's a part of the play it works. Um, that's the difference to me, and I'm speaking very positively. I think that's the difference between saying, simply saying, this is who I are, this is what I, who I am, this is what I write, versus uh, actually uh, trying to convince other people of something, whatever that may be. Yeah. It's like saying, here, this is who I am, versus, oh, I'm going to post about my particular beliefs, and you should also believe what I believe. And that's two different things. Although that's and not I think necessarily that's great. bad. I, I'm tend, I know. It depends. How and you and I disagree with you respectfully, and I agree <laughs> with him as far as as far as the approach. But that's just me. Like me as an author, me as a reader, or whatever. I'm like, this is who I am. I'm not going to try to tell you how you should think. Well, speaking to the belief side of things, um, whereas being gay is really who you are, right? Um, I've had. I'm an atheist. I've had uh, the atheist convention ask me to speak there as an author because they don't have atheist authors. So they've asked me to be kind of representative, even though my books have nothing to do with religion. Well, I mean, this one has to do with Sumerian mythology, but um, they wanted that representation. They want people who are public figures to speak as an atheist. So. Um, I've had that kind of reach, but I also try to approach it in a way where I don't alienate anybody else. Like my best friends, um, as Christian as they come. So, you know, it's just more of we're a small community and we feel alienated. So we want more people who are public and outspoken to kind of come support that. So I think if you do choose to speak on a belief, um, you have to be more of the empowering that instead of trying to alienate everything else and that might work that way. Yeah, I tried, um, I decided, and I'm not gonna lead this off into a very political discussion, but I had very strong feelings and I decided after the presidential election that my Facebook page, timeline, feed, whatever the heck you wanna call it, would be Trump free. I will not go there. And I don't want, I see things <laughs> disintegrating toward Stuff where I have some, I have some very conservative people who hang out. I have some very liberal people who, who hang out. I'm a centrist, so my natural bent is to not go to extremes on either side. And and I monitor it literally. And I will sometimes say, and I, I hate doing this, but I will sometimes say, look, I want to bring up this topic, but I don't want it to. Get, let's talk. Let's not argue. Let's not get in a screaming fight. And if you go there, I will pull this down which I hate having to do, except that we've seen it become so polarized and everything. But I basically said, I'm just not gonna go there. Now, I will talk about certain political things, but not that. We just, I avoid well, it. Which, isn't there a difference between talking about something and being partisan about something? Advocating. Be, yes, yes. Versus That's just saying, here's a space, let's talk about it, versus I'm trying to- Conversation is great. And I have somebody who hangs out there that I actually know her from dogs as well. Who's, she's very conservative. And um, and she says, what I like about it is I can come to your topic and I can discuss my beliefs, you know, in in a setting of where we're all discussing differing beliefs, and and you don't get into big screaming fights and 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 we don't. I mean, sometimes if I can see it going, like I said, if I can see it heading that way, it's like, <coughs> okay, we're coming back. For instance, I had a I had a friend. For reasons I won't go into now, it had to do with self-protection. I decided I would get a gun. I am pro, here we go political, I am pro <laughs> gun. I believe we could have safer regulations than we do. Um, do I want to take away guns? No, I'm going to buy a gun. And I took a class and I go shooting at marksmen. And I don't have my gun yet. I had, and what all this is in aid of, is I had one of my friends um, that hung out and took part and everything else. She's extremely liberal. And she said, I can't believe that my friend is talking about getting a gun and, and that they can be useful and everything like that. She said, no, I'm, I'm leaving. And that was it, you know, and it's like her choice. But 
I don't like anything. That I know. <laughs> I mean, if you said I'm buying like an assault rifle and going to the mall. Yeah, that's a little different than getting, you know, because I'm going to buy a gun for self-defense. So let me ask you guys, have you guys ever had scientific experiments with your persona? Maybe tweak your persona just for the sake of kind of seeing how it would be received? So as a horror writer, my mind just went completely to... I'm <laughs> <laughs> very interested in the answer. <laughs> what kind of scientific experiments are you talking about? Well, um, you know, maybe, maybe at an event you brought up a discussion about a genre that maybe people wouldn't normally associate you with. Just to kind of see what, what people were. Well, I... I'm so writing doesn't pay the bills, at least for me. So I have a job, and my job is selling luxury real estate. So when I'm selling luxury real estate, I'm usually in a suit, very poised. Um, and then my clients inevitably find out that I'm a horror writer. You sometimes find somebody else mentioning it. But sometimes something will slip when I'm talking, where my mind goes there. Like, oh, that would be a great place to hide a body. <laughs> and my clients kind of look at me, I'm like, I'm so sorry, I write horror, and it's just the way I think. And fortunately, 90% of them have liked it. I've had a couple of people that kind of looked at me and I'm like, am I going to hear from you again? <laughs> Not, and then I've had other clients that just ran with it and they get a little bit more grotesque than I am. <laughs> I think maybe you guys should be the one writing the books. And, and I think a lot of them kind of have fun with it. Like, am I going to end up in one of your books? I'm like, if you fire me, I'll probably kill you off. <laughs> so, so I don't know if that's what you were asking. Um, but yeah, I have fun with it with my real life type of thing. Uh, and you know, I think when people see me, um, when they know my books first and they've read me, and then they see me in person, I do get that you don't look like a horror writer. Uh, you know, and I'm like, I don't know what a horror writer looks like. But they just didn't picture me, I guess, which is fine. I completely like to surprise people. So That reminds me of at one point I saw a review of one of my books by a blogger who said, basically, you know, I met Jenny Lee Simner at Comic-Con and I didn't read her book for a long time because I didn't think it could be very dark because she's so darn nice. <laughs> and that was, that was Bones of Fairy. It did make me like wonder, should I be... Yeah, but it's too much work. <laughs> so, Jenny, let me follow up with that. And, and this is a good question for everybody. Have you ever looked at a review where the reviewer has kind of attached a persona to you that you were like, what the? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I actually haven't really. With, I mean, there was someone who claimed I ripped <laughs> off a book written 10 years after mine and was oh. a horrible person. But <laughs> no, mostly I've been lucky enough not to have reviews that got deeply personal. I had, I had one. This was... I have also written some historical novels, and not historical romances, but historical novels. And somebody reviewed it and said, I clearly, and this was a Robin Hood, it was a reinterpretation of the Robin Hood legend with the emphasis on Marion, okay? Based on the author photo, on the back of my <laughs> she got into it in her review, saying, well, she clearly thinks she's Marion, and she was off and running. Was like, uh, no, you know, <laughs> I, my photo. Oh, that's crazy. I, I, once, I once wrote a piece of flash fiction, so short, two or three hundred words, um, and I, in this, in this piece of flash fiction, um, the protagonist and his sister were both were both wheelchair users, and I don't know what happened, but somebody somewhere in this particularly gross form of the internet read this story, decided that I wrote a piece celebrating like obese people in wheelchairs, and they 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 played out this whole incredibly fat phobic thread that was like. <sighs> Look at this oh. gross-ass author who believes that it's okay to be so fat you're in a wheelchair. And I'm like, what are you even? How the hell? And like, I just, I just don't know. I just don't know. Just had to let that go. And I, wow. that's I, smart. Yeah, it's very strange. I had, an, I had another story that I wrote at the request of an editor for a magazine. Um, he said, like, I'm writing this, like, uh, like we're publishing this story that has time travel. Um, in it going forward from 1969 to the present day, would you be willing to write a companion piece 
that goes from the present day to 1969. And I said, that sounds fun. And then I wrote a story. And then like an editorial accompanied that magazine about how this magazine was the controversy issue. And every, every story in this magazine was going to piss people off. And I was like, I didn't write this story to piss people off. Like, are there now people reading this going, oh, Cajun Captain Brown Brown. They're going to piss people off. I'm like, what is this? I wrote another story. I have a lot of these. I have a lot of these stories. I wrote, I wrote, I wrote, I wrote, I wrote another story, um, again, like a short piece of flash fiction uh, that was about, I, I, posited, I posited a very dark future in which all of our national parks uh, were eventually going to be hidden behind walls and barbed wire because there would be so few wild places left protected from climate change and things like that. And the protagonist was like one man like watching inside a park on a, on a camera that a drone planted. And then finally, you know, one day the camera burns out and it's very tragic. And I happened to be circulating this piece right at the time the presidential election occurred. And the editor bought this piece and said, we are going to publish this. And then he wrote this long editorial about how I had clearly written an anti-Trump piece and so on oh, and so wow. forth. And I'm like, this piece is about conserving nature. I don't, I don't know what else you, you think I'm thinking or trying to say, but I, I probably have a lot of these stories because I write short, short fiction and I just have so many, so many different there. stories that can be misinterpreted by people. People well, get in like trouble a, when they try to guess what you're thinking. Uh -huh. Well, there's oh, yeah. yeah. a joke that goes around online that says um, the teacher will take, like, why did the author write the walls as blue? And it's like yeah. the teacher tries to interpret it and says, they were going through this dark depression and they were interpreting and all this stuff. And then the bottom says, nope, the author wants the walls to just be blue because they like blue. Mm -hmm. So I mean, it's just, it, people interpret things and no two people read the same story. So. Ray, Ray Bradbury once attended a college class where they were talking about Fahrenheit 451. And everybody worked out what they thought he was about. He disagreed with all of them. Did they know he was there? <laughs> uh, I don't think they knew he was there. Oh, that's, that'd be cool. Fly <laughs> on the wall time. As, as, I don't know if I'm the only critic here. I, I write film criticism, also I write book reviews, of mostly fantasy and science fiction. So um, I, I do see this in, in critics, and I try to avoid it. I do try to find the, the substance within a piece. Sometimes I'm successful, sometimes I'm not. Uh, sometimes I dig too deep. It is very easy to dig too deep, especially when you bring humor into it. Like I watched uh, the, the Incredible Mr. Limpet. You know the Incredible Mr. Limpet? Yeah. So he gets turned into a fish because he loves fish so much. I mean, what's he going to eat? Is he a cannibal? <laughs> um, you know, it's very easy to dig too deep. Uh, on a serious level, I've, I had a, a very interesting conversation with a, a, a lady author. She'd written two Well, she wrote one book that I bought from her at a convention. Uh, and I reviewed it, and then she gave me the second one to review, and then we chatted afterwards, and I pointed out that she wasn't writing what she thought she was writing. Uh, she thought she was writing mysteries, and in the first book, she's, it, it's pretty accurate. The second book, the mystery, as a mystery, it fails completely. As a character study, it's wonderful. It's a great book. I, I really enjoyed it, but the mystery was almost to the side, and we had a great conversation about that. Just, uh, and, and you know, she, oh, well, yeah, I, I think you're right. And, uh, and I, I get that quite a bit um, with filmmakers and with authors, uh, where I find something that they didn't really intend to put in there, but it, it found its way in any way. Um, there's a, there's the a lot of pitfalls with it. The author doesn't know about their book either. You know, the author doesn't know everything about their book. Right. Yeah, and I'm sure there's stuff in my writing that, that comes out that I never intended to be there as well. <laughs> Okay, so, Persona. If there is an author not present at this convention that you think has a game Persona, who would it be? Hey, what game do you mean? Oh, good, good, good Persona, good Persona. Um, I'm... I can't remember a single person's name right now. <laughs> <laughs> All I can think of is Stephen King because he's just at the top of my head. Can that come back to me? Yes. Okay. I, can, I, can think, I can think of a pair of authors. Um, so there are uh, there there are two authors, uh, Mike Cole. He usually writes military fantasy, and Sam Sykes, who writes. What does Sam Sykes write? Anyone? I'm forgetting. Fantasy fantasy. So they um, they have developed sort of like a joint persona, and their thing is to snipe at each other on social media. And Mike plays the straight man, and Sam Sykes plays like the insufferable clown and idiot. 
And because they joke at each other so frequently and so well, like they attract readers that way and they go, this is funny. And they start, they start following them or they have like a following at conventions because like, what are they gonna say to each other next? And like, it's like they come for the comedy act and then they stick around and through all the book promotion that they do, they go, I think I'll buy your book because I like you. Um, and they have, they have turned that into, I think something really, really masterful. If you ever see them at a panel together, they will often panel together at the Tucson Festival of Books. Um, it's it's really it's really a fascinating and enjoyable to watch. I have an answer. Gail Carriger, I would say, has a persona um, yes. with a steampunk, um, and when you see her, she's steampunk. She writes steampunk, and it's it's. I mean, that's all I can think of when I think of her as steampunk. So I would say that's a very clear cut persona that she has. I'm still blanking. Um, I just put that out before I forgot. So I just, I, it's like, you're up, buddy. I got a couple. Uh, I got a serious one and a fun one. Um, same vein that you were mentioning down there, Jim Hines. Mm, uh, he's yeah. a science fiction and a fantasy writer, and he got into a thing on, I don't know, one of the social media things where he was uh, taking the really bad uh, covers from science fiction novels, oh. uh, usually featuring yeah. women in poses that are not possible. <laughs> he, he, as a balding, bearded man, would reenact these. <laughs> and, and again, I think it really drew a lot of people to him and thought, this guy's funny, I like this guy, and oh, he writes stuff, cool, I better buy some of his books. Um, on a more serious side, John Scalzi, who I think he yeah. was the one that challenged him to do that. He has, uh, I think, a really good balance about what you were talking about, things that you want to say, that you believe in, and things that go too far. And he certainly believes certain things, and he said so very clearly, very precisely, uh, no doubt as to what he means. He will not come to a convention unless there's a code of conduct, period. He says so. You do not have a code of conduct at your convention. I'm not coming. You can you can offer yeah. me the moon, and I'm not coming. You've got to have a code of conduct. So uh, he, I think, is seen, and I don't think this. I'm not saying this cynically, as he's he's conjured this up as a yeah. persona. I mean, he's serious about this stuff, and I think he comes across as somebody that's serious about this stuff, and a lot of people respect him for that. And I, I do think that becomes part of the persona. This is yeah. somebody to listen to, somebody to. You know, beyond the writing, just somebody who you want to. John Scalzi has that blog, whatever, mm -hmm. and he has so many loyal followers because he puts his take on everything right out there. And I think that's a large part of his persona. And that's yeah. kind of why I think just sticking to your books doesn't really work. Because mm. if all you are is, buy my book, buy this book, <laughs> you know, it just. It doesn't engage people. There's a fine line yeah. to walk. And, and uh, your thing about, your thing about yeah. Trump is really important. It, it's a very, again, not trying to go into politics, it is a very divisive time. And if you come out on one side and you are overtly on that side, then you've lost half your audience. Yeah. And it doesn't matter which side. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. You can be anti. And you've I lost half your audience. Part of it is I personally don't like confrontation. I don't like, you know, I will disagree with somebody, somebody can disagree with me, and if we're respectful about it, go for it. I don't like it when people are just, what we see now, and it is, it's both ends of the spectrum. Both ends of the spectrum. You can think what you like, and, and you're wrong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I do think and like. it's just, I don't, I don't want to go there personally. Um, now, if you really piss me off, you really <laughs> ask you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But for the most part, you know, that's not what my, that's not my goal. I don't, I don't write my Facebook page to be political. Political stuff is a part of it sometimes because it's a part of me sometimes. But yeah, let's just not, go. <laughs> it's just too nasty. Yeah, let's build something. Nasty. Let's be constructive. Yeah. This is a community. And also, do we really need to turn off people and say, I'm never going to buy a book by X and so again? Because people do do that. It has I to have done it. I have done it. It has to be something important enough that it's worth it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Have you, know, you guys done that? Where I stopped reading an author? Yeah. Yes, because I felt like they betrayed me. Because they tricked me into reading their stupid last chapter and I was mad <laughs> reading it. And then I won't read them again. 
because right, they guys. tried to trick me. There you go. <laughs> I've gotten mad at authors for leaving such a bad cliffhanger that yes. left me emotionally distraught. Yes. I'm like, I will not read your next book because exactly. that's what you That's the book. <laughs> the question was about their the persona. Their yeah, persona, their persona right? There's a big thing in the film world that comes up with certain filmmakers. And if they've done something heinous or perceived as heinous in real life, yeah. uh, you've got to boycott everything they've ever done. And this can be retroactive. Um, and it started with and actors too. It started, I mean, yeah. with Roman Polanski. Yeah. Um, and it's as a film critic, it's very hard for me to pretend that this chunk of work doesn't exist just because he happened to be somebody or do something in real life. There's a uh, if you know the cheapest creepers movies, I can't remember the director's name, but he served time for Peter Filio. He was, it, it, it happened, he was arrested, he went to jail, he served his time, he came out, and then he made the third one. And a lot of people said, there's absolutely no way I'm gonna see this movie, I'm not gonna rent it, I'm not gonna buy it, I'm not gonna see the theaters, because of what the person did. A little more innocent example, I think I'm getting this right, is R.L. Stein, that also wrote a lot of erotica, one of the children's authors. Good, he wrote there's a lot, of I'm interested in R.L. Stein. Uh, or one of those guys who wrote, the, who wrote a lot of children's books, well-respected, but he also wrote under a different pen name, Erotica, and boy, when that came out, it was just like, oh, we can't buy these books yeah, for no, children. Yeah. It had absolutely nothing to do. And it wasn't kitty Erotica, it was just right. Erotica. Yeah, a friend of mine in England, he's mostly known as a horror author. He's got 80, 80, 90 horror novels out, but he also writes kids' books, and he puts a pseudonym on them. So, you know, the two don't, the two worlds don't collide. And he right. wrote a lot of porn in the 70s. He wrote reader's letters, of all things. You know, write 30,000 words of reader's letters this week, we'll throw you this much money. I mean, how, how he did that, I have no idea. It's sold this point. Like so, letters to penthouse or something? Right. Yeah, reader's letters, yeah. Oh, uh, by Mrs. F from South Sea. I did, yeah. Right. And you just gotta repeat, 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 repeat. <laughs> and, oh my goodness, he tried you to know a lot about this. <laughs> I, I own more of his work than he does. Oh. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Literally. Um, questions from you guys? Otherwise, I'll throw one more out to you guys. Alright, so um, of your persona, what do you like most about your persona? Give a little self-love right now. <laughs> Please don't start with me again. Alright, start with Al. Al? Uh, I think I, uh, one of my influences is a, is a gentleman named Jake Mangleworth. Uh, he's a, a, a professional eccentric. Uh, it's, a, it's an English thing, very English thing. And I, I do a little bit to bring uh, some of that eccentricity to the States. He did some very strange things. And it takes effort and commitment to be an eccentric. You know, he lives in a house with a moat around it. He's got a car on his roof. He married his dog. He changes his name every time he gives blood. So he can literally legally give blood as Countess Dracula. You know, he, he does a lot of really out there things. And it's, it's, a, it's a British tradition that I, I haven't really seen in the States. Uh, so I'm trying to bring a little bit of that. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? See the guy with the planet suit last night? Oh yeah, he's great. <laughs> but but this this is full time. This isn't this isn't. Oh, I'll do this at a convention. This is every day. Uh, so I, I try to bring a little bit of that. So my persona, I think, it's it's unique. Nobody nobody looks like me. Nobody is going to get mistaken for me. Uh, and I'm not going to get mistaken for anybody else. So I think that's my favorite part of my persona. I don't know what mine is. So. Are you kind of happy with the whole package? <laughs> <laughs> of me? Yeah. Like, who you are and where you're at? Depending on the day. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I just try to be me. Uh, one thing. Whatever who you are. Oh. <laughs> Boy, am I again. It's me, Mary. At cons, I tend to be really outgoing because you're all my tribe. Mm -hmm. I was a fan before I was a pro, you know? So, and we all speak the same language, you know? And um, we all understand the references. But in my other life, my, my life tends to be compartmentalized. I've got the writing life, you know, this and everything else, which is, that makes up most of my personality. It's most of my life. But I also show dogs and books don't come into that at all. I'm always stopped dead when somebody brings something up. 
Um, so that's that's a persona in a way um, is my dog show persona. And then I have people who just come across me on Facebook and enjoy. You know, I have I have readers. I have dog show people. I have you know all these compartmentalizations. And on my Facebook thing, everything just kind of goes. Bleh. Yeah. Do, so, do you act differently around those different groups? I think when I'm at conventions, I call it being on because, first of all, I'm just excited to talk to everybody. And as I said, the tribe, I'm excited to see the tribe. I live alone. I don't have, other than my dogs and cats, you know, I'm not having two-way conversations with things. So when I go out and I'm at a con, plus it's it's a topic that I enjoy, and I enjoy talking about my books, and I hope people like my books. I wanna, I hope that they say, oh, I wanna go out and read her books and things. So I know that when I go back home, there's kind of this letdown, not letdown, but a physical, uh, physical backing up. It's like, oh God. I'm not on anymore. Deflation just, yeah, you know, it's it's. I'm tired because being on is tiring. But it's not like I get up and say I have to be on. It's that it just happens. But in in my dog show life, or I work at doggy daycare, the dogs don't know I write books. The dogs don't care. Um, I the other day we have quiet time now where we turn off all the lights for 15 minutes to give the dogs a break and we sit down on the floor and we're supposed to read to them and I said should I bring in one of my books and read one of my books to the dogs like they're gonna get really excited about this but for the most part people don't know I'm a writer unless it's in this kind of setting okay. oh, go ahead. Oh, thank you uh, the part, uh, the, the part of my persona that I put out into the world that I hope I do well, and if I do, I'm the proudest of, is my positivity. I try to, um, technically speaking, I am a millennial, and there is a tendency for people among my generation to put every goddamn thing they're thinking out on the internet, whether it's good, bad, positive, appropriate, or not. And um, while I, too, am human, and I have negative feelings, and I have anxieties, and I have worries, and I have crabby, unfair judgments about other people, I try to not put that on my Twitter feed. What I put there, I, I try to have it be funny or positive or upbeat or neutral. If I do put something that has any kind of negativity or serious emotion in it, I try to be thoughtful and heartfelt about it. Um, I think there are people who can do a good job of making a persona out of the lovable crank or the person who tells it like it is or you know the guy who's always mad about something. Um, but I can't do that very well, and I think that if I tried, I would just turn myself and all of my followers into unhappy people. So I try to be a uh, force for positivity in the world because like, there are a lot of awesome books out there, you guys, and there's a lot to be excited about. Which is positive. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like to think that I'm more or less you know, genuine and real, you know, filtered real, but still. Yeah. That in a way it's that I'm not putting on, you know, I'm not putting on an act. I also like giving a good, you can do it, writing pep talk or a, your process is perfectly normal, you know. I'm kind of the writing cheerleading thing, but not in, not in like a, in a realistic way, but yeah, I feel like I can do the encouraging thing. I, well, not to snap on your tongue, I guess I enjoy educating. So I guess that's a persona too, if I get the chance to educate. That's a good point. It's a really good point. Yeah, everything I do is discovery, so I guess that's persona. Didn't think of it that way. Do you? Um, I think for me, um, being the accidental writer, most authors did the right path where they wrote the book, they took writing courses, they did the critique, they fixed their writing. I kind of jumped into the pool, and in hindsight, probably wouldn't have had my first book published. Um, I went back and rewrote it after that, but when I read it, I was like, ooh, that should not have been the first impression I left on readers. And so in, in hindsight, I probably wouldn't fix it because it's who I am. But I think a lot of people get to see me making mistakes publicly and it makes them feel better. <laughs> um, so, you know, being the accidental writer, I'm kind of learning as I go along. And I've had a lot of people come up to me, specifically writers, saying, 
you've actually given me the courage to put my work out there because you develop readers that way and it's more real and they like they're like they say thank you because I've been holding on to the story for 25 years and I still don't feel like it's good enough and I'm like I think all of us feel that way about our work we get to that point where I don't I don't think I'm ever going to be that writer I want to be but I get to share my stories with people and I think that's something to say for itself and hopefully inspires other people to do the same thing. Cool. Well, um, that about wraps it up. So I'm going to get a selfie with the panel here. And I know there's lots of, uh, well, that's what I do. So just so you guys know. Sure. Um, there's lots of backpacks here. So please take the time and get a book from a backpack on your way uh, wherever you're going. I don't have my backpack, but I'll be signing so, it for yeah. you. <laughs> All right. Uh, over. Thank you for listening to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. And feel free to enjoy our other shows, such as D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition and Scion Ragnarok and Roll, a Scion hero to Ragnarok story. Thank you for listening.